So, Sunday morning we explored true wisdom. And we only made it through about three major ideas. Sunday morning we, we said true wisdom involves knowing the source. Where does true wisdom come from? Of course, only from God. And we have to go to our knees. We must be in His Word. We must humbly submit. We must um, get that encouragement from other people that we need to live uh, properly in this, in this life and have hope for that which is to come. We also notice that involved in true wisdom is being able to see the truth uh, through all the various falsehoods uh, in this old world. And we noticed also Sunday morning that true wisdom involves being able to identify what is right as we look at God's will and what is wrong and being able to have the fortitude and the courage and um, the know-how to choose the right over the wrong. We notice that sometimes our very emotions get in the way. Our own desires and emotions get in the way of learning uh, right from wrong and stay in the course. So we must, through God's help, learn to manage our emotions and let our knowledge of what's right control what we're feeling. So I want to continue on this this evening exploring further uh, true wisdom. True wisdom. And I want us to read four passages uh, together to get us uh, started. Brother Houston, if you don't mind, you will read one. And um, Brother Jerry, um, if you'll read one for us. Um, Brother Houston, uh, if you don't mind, uh, read for us uh, James chapter 3, 15 to 18. And then, Brother uh, Jerry, if you'll read Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Uh, Brother Mark, if you'll be ready to read Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. And Brother Larry, if you'll read for us Matthew 7, 1 through 6. So we'll start with Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And then we'll read... Um, James 3, 15 to 18. And then we'll go to Matthew 25, 1 through 13. And then we'll have Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Let's go ahead and read all of these right now. And then we'll get to our um, further exploring of true wisdom. So let's get started now with Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Now look in your Bibles and just glance at James 3, 15 through 18. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceful, 
gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Okay. And then look in your Bibles to Matthew 25 and be looking down through verses 1 through uh, 13 and uh, Mark's going to read that. Okay, so these are familiar to you. Uh, Matthew 25, 1 through 13 about the parable of the, the wise and foolish uh, virgins. And now also a familiar passage, Matthew 7. Matthew 7 and 1 through 6. And um, be looking at that. And, and in here, Brother Larry is going to read that for us. Okay, so let's get started here and notice uh, from Philippians 1, 9 through 11 that uh, in our seeking true wisdom, we must choose uh, what Paul calls here excellent things. Excellent things. We must choose excellent uh, things. This word excellent simply means that which transcends, uh, goes beyond um, the, the regular thinking of the world. It is, uh, it is those things of God that are far above all other principles and, and values and teachings. And we must uh, be able to choose those things. Now, noticing right from wrong is one thing. But as we further grow in the Christian faith, we must learn to choose those things which are, which are excellent. And the Bible has different phrases and verses that helps us to at least get started on choosing 
these things which are excellent. And let me just mention a few of these uh, quickly. Uh, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 to 18, uh, that passage helps us to choose those things that are excellent. You remember Paul there saying, For which cause I think not, though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. And so in choosing excellent things, we choose the inward over the outward. Okay, We choose the inward. We choose to focus on our heart, to focus on our soul, more than what we focus on uh, concerning our body or those things which are seen. Okay, That is part of choosing those excellent things. You remember Peter in a similar way in 1 Peter chapter 3, 3 and 4. Says, let not your adorning be those things on the outside, your hair or your clothing or your jewels, whatever. Let it be rather the adorning of the inward person, the inward person who has um, that's it. that's the incorruptible part of us. That's the part of us that will never pass away. Uh, let your focus, your adorning, be there. Um, and let that be a, uh, develop in you a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. And so choosing ex- excellent things means we focus more on the inward uh, than we, the outward. That's 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 16 to 17. But then notice uh, also in Galatians chapter 5, another way of choosing excellent things. Galatians uh, chapter 5, and look down around verse uh, 16. He says, uh, Paul does, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the next ideal here is uh, choosing excellent excellent things means uh, we choose what the Spirit of God says to us in His Word over what our flesh is trying to get us to do. So it's the inward over the outward, and it's the spirit over the flesh. Continue with me here in Galatians 5, 17. Uh, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, then you are not under the law. For the works of the flesh are evident Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit uh, the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 5.25 If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. And so you can see there the excellent things belong to the Spirit of God. 
and then that is opposed to the desires of the flesh. And then looking at Ephesians chapter 5, 16, Paul tells us we need to be redeeming the time, making the most of the time that we have for the days are evil. This means that we need to focus more on eternity than we do on time. So notice as we go through thinking about these excellent things that we are to be choosing, we choose the inward over the outward, the spirit over the flesh, and eternity over uh, time. Now look with me to Philippians chapter uh, 2 right quick. Philippians 2. And you'll remember uh, these statements as well. Philippians 2, Paul says, verse 3, Philippians 2, 3, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count yourselves, uh, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And so this is simply telling us to put God and others before ourselves. You remember Jesus says in Matthew 16 and 24 that we are to deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow Him. This means we put, we put God and others over ourselves. This is how we choose those things that are excellent. This is how we become more and more wise in God's sight. Along this line, you might glance at Romans chapter 12 quickly and look at verses 9 and 10. Romans 12, 9 and 10, still thinking about putting God and others over self. But Paul says there, Romans 12, 9 and 10, Let love be genuine, abhor that which is evil, and hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So putting others and God first is just the natural way of following Christ. And then one other passage we'll share along this line is 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, where Paul says, Godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And so what we do in, in choosing those things that are excellent, we focus more on the inward than the outward. We focus more on the spirit over the flesh. We focus more on eternity than time. We focus more on God and others than ourselves. And then in 1 Timothy 4, notice he says, we need to think more about the world to come than the present time in which we live. These thoughts certainly can get us started in thinking about approving those things that are excellent. True wisdom involves choosing excellent things. When we say choose, of course, we mean making these types of things, allowing these things we're talking about, allowing them to uh, form our opinions, allowing them to condition our hearts, allowing them to fill our conversations, allowing them to uh, be our desires, God's desires being our desires allowing these things to help us to form habits that are following these types of excellent uh, things. And then, of course, uh, these things will become uh, the center of, of uh, our decision-making. Right? It'll be part of our decision-making. It'll be a big part. The, the thing that makes us make the proper decisions will come from these thoughts and these scriptures 
uh, that we've been choosing. So it's entirely possible, or Paul wouldn't have written uh, these things, but it's also a challenge. It's a challenge to us. But this is part of true wisdom, is choosing excellent uh, things. A couple of examples uh, and thoughts before we move on to the next idea. Turn over to Hebrews 11 right quick. Hebrews 11. Notice this example from Moses. Hebrews 11 in verse, uh, beginning in verse 23. But as we read this together, you'll see how this fits in to what we've just been saying. Hebrews 11:23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. edict. Uh, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, notice these things. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So you can see how Moses was choosing those excellent things as he, was, as he grew up. And as he began to consider the Lord's people and who he was and what God's plan was for the nation. Also, I'd like for you to look at this example. And this is a little bit unusual. Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. This is um, just leading into Paul's and Barnabas and their missionary journeys. But here at Antioch were gathered several good teachers, men who have become teachers of the word. And they're listed here. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Acts 13, verse 1. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, and then a man by the name of Manaean. But notice what it said about him. Manaean, who is a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, uh, and then Saul. Manaean. Uh, some translations have him being uh, something like a stepbrother to um, Herod the Tetrarch. If I have uh, it right here, this Herod is the one who murdered uh, John the Baptist. Okay. Uh, this Menaean was closely associated with the Herod family. The Herod family was very vicious, very vicious. And yet, notice how this Menaean was able to use his abilities, being made in the image of God, able to use his abilities to choose those things that are excellent. He had chosen to listen to the gospel. Even though he was closely associated with Herod, he had obeyed the gospel. Now he was a teacher of the gospel. So it's entirely possible no matter what the situation is that we're in, it's entirely possible to choose these upper and better things that are uh, mentioned in these, these various passages. We have to look at ourselves and say, you know, where do I spend my money? Where do I spend my time? Uh, upon what do I exert my energy? energy? This will tell us whether we are choosing... Uh, these excellent things. So that's one 
further exploration of getting into this true wisdom that we can find with God only. Alright, going to James 3 now, 15 through 18, you see here that there's a comparison between earthly wisdom, Houston Red Forest, and heavenly wisdom, the wisdom which is from above. It's kind of like a family. Earthly wisdom has some children, and heavenly wisdom has some children. And you see them listed here, and we'll just glance at these, but it's good for us to remember. If we're going to be wise, we've got to develop a godly heart and continue to do that. Okay. When we say these things, we're not suggesting that, that any of us in here does not have a godly heart, but we must grow in these things. We must grow in these things and fight Satan who would not have us to do so. And so he lists here, Four children of earthly wisdom and then several children of the wisdom which is from above. Now, there's about four children of earthly wisdom. One would be uh, bitter jealousy. That's someone who is just very self-oriented and he's out to gain victories uh, for himself and he doesn't really care who he wounds along the way. And then that follows up uh, with this trait, and that is uh, someone who has selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Uh, that would be somebody who not only wants to be very selfish, but also he's ambitious for others to be like him. He wants to gain a following uh, in his selfish ways. When you have this, James says, you have both confusion and every evil work. Okay. So we can look around us and see we don't have to look very far. A lot of folks live in this way. They live according to earthly wisdom. Uh, selfishness, groups of selfish people, and the combined efforts just causes a lot of disorder in the world, a lot of confusion, and a lot of evil works. Now, on the other hand, there is the wisdom from above. There are several children of the wisdom from above. Obedience, you see it there. Uh, purity, uh, peace. Uh, gentleness, um, being uh, reasonable, he says, um, easy to be entreated, uh, along that line. And so notice here that there's a stark difference between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. And, and staying with the, the heavenly wisdom uh, helps to condition our heart, and then that transforms into a good life for God. Notice especially there, uh, James 3 and verse 15. That's really the first trait of heavenly wisdom. Actually, verse, um, I, would, I would say verse 13, James 3, 13. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, by his good con conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. So it actually starts in verse 13 to 18. But notice that verse 13 mentions obedience. And then you get down to verse 17 and 18 mentions, mentions peace and purity. But it starts with obedience. And then that obedience brings peace with God. And then we're seeking also to have a pure heart. 
when we serve God, we want to serve Him with the very best uh, motives as possible. Nothing done selfishly. Nothing done simply because it's a duty to do, but rather out of love for God. Uh, we want to obey Him and then grow in righteousness. Okay. So first, to go further into the wisdom God would have for us, we want to choose those things that are excellent. And then secondly, uh, we want to develop all the godly traits uh, for our hearts as we can. Now, thirdly, from what, um, from what Mark read for us, Notice that if we're going to be wise, we must live for eternity. We must live for eternity. It's really quite telling how much time Jesus spent that last week of his life talking about Judgment Day. So he really does want us to live for that day. That is the day that we're living for. And part of how Jesus does this is this parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Let's think about that for just uh, a minute or two. In those early days, uh, on wedding day, the groom would go with his friends somewhere else, away from his house, and then the bride and her friends, her virgin friends, would go to the groom's house, and they would wait on him, wait on him, perhaps likely the groom and his friends would be at his family's house. And so the bride and her friends would be at the groom's house. And they would wait. Sometimes the wait would be all day long, even into the night. And so, but uh, the idea is that when the groom was on his way, somebody with the groom's uh, group would come ahead and just announce that he's coming. And as I said, sometimes these, these comings of the groom would, would go into the night, so therefore they would need, uh, the virgins would need their lamps. Now what do the virgins do, the friends of the, of the bride? As the groom comes, they would go out a ways and meet him and then escort him uh, along the way, all the way to the house and to uh, his bride. Okay, And so... If he lingered toward night, then they would especially need their lamps. And if they're going to have lamps, then they've got to have enough olive oil uh, to make sure their lamps are going to be able to burn. The difference between the wise virgins here in this story of Jesus and the foolish virgins is that the wise virgins, the five of those, uh, they had enough oil for their lamps, but the foolish ones didn't bother uh, to get enough oil. And so when the bride groom came, when, when, uh, when the groom came, then uh, it was nighttime, and they were all uh, sleepy, and they awoke at the announcement, and of course, no problem with the wise virgins, they had their lamps, and they had plenty of oil, so they were able to go meet him, but the uh, foolish virgins were not able to go, because they had not prepared sufficiently uh, with their lamps, and so they had to run off and get some more oil. By the time they did that, the wise virgins had already entered into the room uh, with, the, uh, with the groom, got him to the bride, and the door was shut. Jesus pictures this, allows this to picture Judgment Day. Okay. And so here 
are a couple lessons we learn. We learn we must be continually prepared for the Lord's coming. A one-time preparation, one-time obedience to the gospel is, is something that's... Um, uh, is dangerous because uh, if we're not constantly prepared, then uh, we won't be ready. And so having constant preparation, in other words, living a faithful life as a child of the Lord is what Jesus is encouraging here. And then secondly, um, our preparation or another person's preparation cannot be transferred uh, to another one who is not ready. Okay? You can't borrow preparation. As you can see in this story, that's what the foolish virgin said. He said, give us some of your oil so that we can go meet the groom. But they said, if we do that, then we will not have enough to go. So as they ran off, then they missed the groom coming in. Jesus is showing this and teaching this, using this to show that each one individually must make proper preparation for the Lord. This is a good story for parents to share with their children, to show their children that they too have got to start the effort to learn about the Lord on their own and not depend on their, uh, their mom's faith or their dad's faith. And we can't, we can't depend on our wife, her faith, or vice versa, husband's faith. When we meet the Lord, then we will be meeting the Lord uh, one-on-one. And uh, it's entirely possible for us to make the proper preparation. And then this uh, little story Jesus tells uh, shows that we do not know when the Lord will come. He will come at a time when we do not expect, is what Mark read for us. The wise person will live for this day. The greatest day has not yet occurred. This is the great day. There's a great day coming. A great day coming. This is the day that we're living for. The wise person will never lose sight of that. Will always prepare will uh, take responsibility in preparing his soul to meet the Lord uh, in the air. And then, this is a hard one here. What Larry read for us, we've got to be wise and soul winning. That's why I asked Larry to read Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 6, especially verse 6. What does verse 6 say in Matthew 7? I'll go a little bit further. Verse 6. Yeah, you're, you're all over it, but you're not there. So. That's okay. Then. You're in Matthew 7. What does verse 6 say? Don't give that which is holy to dogs. What else? Yeah, and don't cast your pearls before swine lest they trample Upon it, this is this leads us to that to uh, that hard part of living for Christ, and that is, um, who do we share the gospel with, and how long do we linger with one uh, who may not be interested? How long do we linger? How long do we keep trying? And then, uh, when do we move on? Jesus said, saying to us here. There is a time to move on. Okay. The Lord doesn't want us to, to waste time. He wants us to look for good and honest 
hearts. So this chapter is, is about judgment because we have to make this kind of judgment. Uh, Brother Larry, what is, what is Jesus giving us here to help us to make these hard uh, judgments? I pick on Larry here because he's one of our missionaries. Um, So Larry's saying by basically by experience, you have to just become aware of, of the re- receptivity around you, the the um, who's who's willing to receive and who's who's not. But notice that Jesus uh, talks about judgment leading down to verse six. Um, if there's one thing that we can do to help us on this soul-winning decision. I believe Jesus is at least alluding to this. And that is to be real good at at examining ourselves. The better we are at examining ourselves, he seems to be saying, then the more wise we're going to be in uh, how and when uh, to help somebody else. Okay? Um, And you can see here in Matthew 7, that's what he's saying. He said... First, cast out um, the log or the beam that is in your own eye. And then you'll be able to see clearly. You'll be able to see clearly how to help cast the speck out of someone else's eye. And then after he says that, he says, and don't cast your pearls uh, before swine. Don't give that which is holy unto the dog. So the more... The more we examine ourselves, the more we are in the Word and in prayer and we're letting that come right to our hearts, then the more um, skillful we're going to be, maybe, uh, to know uh, how to approach another and and when and and how long to linger with that effort. um, This is certainly part of growing in wisdom uh, in the Lord. Larry's bringing up another parable of Jesus which helps us here and that's the parable of the sower and which is really a parable about the heart and Jesus compares the heart to soil and some, some soil is just hardened and the seed doesn't have a chance uh, some soil is at least pliable enough to receive the seed but not it doesn't go down deep the seed doesn't go down deep. Some soil is just crowded with uh, thorns and briars, and Jesus says these are the cares, pleasures, and riches of life. But then there's that good soul, which represents a good and honest heart. And so that's the that's what we're looking for. 
and through experience and through trials and through examining ourselves, we can become wiser and wiser uh, with the gospel. It's not easy. But I can tell you this, you have to fail. You have to, you have to get out there and you have to, you have to, um, you have to have a lot of failure before you can uh, get some, some good prospects. You just have to keep plying away. There's no other way of doing it. There's, there's, um, there's, no, there's no magic formula other than getting out there with, with the Word and just trying and trying and trying and then um, applying it all to yourself. David, you have to look at body language, too. Okay. Uh, the Ivan Stewart version of, uh, of that called us to look at body language. Have two people see your wife, though, but she watches body language where you're trying to study with someone. Okay. That's a good point. Mike is making that sometimes the body language of someone will tell you uh, their interest. And that's so true. If they're... If, if you're talking to them and they're looking somewhere else, you know, or they're looking at their watch, okay, um, they're just ready for you to leave their doorstep, then, you know, you can see that. You can see that. So, that's a good point. That's a good point. Also, uh, he was saying that come from the series from Ivan Stewart, uh, the Open Bible uh, series. Uh, the Fishers of Men also taught us to ask a lot of questions because um, the mouth often reveals the heart. And so when you ask questions and you listen to what they say, then you, you pretty much can uh, detect uh, by their answers um, where they stand before God, but also what is their interest uh, anyway. So uh, these four thoughts uh, this evening, I hope this has been uh, helpful, uh, but before it left my mind, I wanted to go ahead and, and share this because um, I started on these kinds of studies uh, last week and, and um, there's a lot more to searching out true wisdom. No one is ever going to be as wise as God. But thankfully, looking into His Word and being able to pray to Him and, and um, be around those men and women who have excelled before Christ can help us gain some wisdom as well. Appreciate you being in class looking at these uh, ideas. We'll look at one more as we extend the invitation here in just a moment.